0: Hey, the next chapter I'll be reading is called From Anger, Then Fear to Self-Destruction. I've already surpassed my family's legacy. So the sky was the limit and there was no more barriers as far as my lineage was concerned. Generational poverty never made sense to me anyway. And I've proven one can break free by the power of one's own insistence. Insistent will for fantasy in order to create a reality that is beyond the one dimensional historical reality. It is a supra reality, and my mind is the factory where all of my thoughts are manufactured into solid metals. I must suffer the fact that a whole portion of my emotional life, along with the values, my aspirations, were all excluded from the arena of social exchange. That the way down could also be the way out. In the final chapter of Heresy of Self-Love, Paul Zweig describes schizophrenia as the malady of isolation. He writes, Schizophrenia is a man for whom the world has become so comfortless, so empty of relationship and love, that in order to preserve himself, he retires to some inaccessible place in his mind, conversing no longer with others now, but with his own fantasy. It is called psychosis. The abyss of darkness, but it was there so that I found it was there that I found God. It was as if there could have been no other way to find myself other than first losing myself by virtually losing my mind. Possibly I had lost myself long ago and not realized it. I had become estranged even to myself, desiring to fade into the shadows of my profession in the Army. I defeated the danger by depersonalizing myself in order not to feel numb. This way I became anonymous. An unknown girl quotes in... R.D. Lang, that divide itself, it is as if you get yourself to feel you don't know who you are or where you are. I would be walking alone, and that, and I would feel that I was blending with the landscape, and then I would get frightened and repeat my name repeatedly to bring me back to life, so to speak. End quote. This quote apparently does not cross the lines of psychosis. It only. This is a game of depersonalization that the girl played with herself to keep from being scared because she suffered from anxiety of walking by herself. She was excessively self-conscious, but she played the private game as a biological defense to feel invisible to her imagined enemies. I myself play this game where I immerse my every thought with the will of God, asking Him to align my thoughts, aspirations, and motivations with His. Oh, my Lord and my God, grant me the grace to produce a few lines of prose, which will prove to me that I am not the lowest of man and that I am not low to those whom I despise. In order to feel this prayer working, I have to dress the image of this self-will in a costume of my emotions, a coat of enraged passion a robe of fierce determination, beautiful shoes made of respect, until the model the model becomes an image of my own emotional life, a devil in Prada swelled with hate and saliva. This devil accompanies me wherever I go, but I had mistaken the image for my own, therefore it served as my defender from the other devils lurking in the underworld. I once felt that in order to be a great writer required a lot of articulation describing pain artistically so the nature of it could be transmuted into another form. This was power recovered, but now the anger that once gave me some of the most arduous areas prose now undermines this new sense of expression emanating from my heart. How do I create beauty from the memory of pain, yet do it absent of the emotions behind it? How do one write against his nature? I know God does not desire that I sow negativity and strife and discord out into the world, so I must rethink how I aestheticize my pain, because it is no longer comes from a place of hate and anger, sorrow and hopelessness. I now feel I can write from pleasure and uncorrupted creative energy. My days are no, not nuance-free, I still get agitators even at the park, while hanging out with my squirrel friends, writing and enjoying nature. I placed a fry on an unusual stone at the bottom of the hill. Then I walked to the top of the hill to watch the squirrels approach and eat. This experience was interrupted by a white family hiking in one of the, hiking up to the stone where I had laid the fries and the female simply knocked them off, having no regard for who might have put the, the fries there for the squirrels to eat. And They pretended that they did not see me avoiding eye contact while I stared at them. It was very strange to observe their behavior. And I asked myself, what makes people go out of their way to be annoying to other people? It must come from a deeply discontented place to disagree with the self to where their actions are detrimental to keeping good relations with other people. Maybe they wanted to test to see how I would react. But what rationale did they have to test my tolerance? Were they conscious of how desperate it made them appear or did they even care? Were they programmed to be the world's nuisance in civilization? Burgers and homeless people are one form of nuisances, but even they have a, a purpose to get something they need. But what does the common nuisance need? And more importantly, do they have a condition or a disease? Now, if I define these two, a condition is an abnormal state of health that interferes with the normal or regular feelings of well-being. A disease is a result from a psychophysiological response to external or internal factors. Doctors are treating a disease based on abnormalities in system functions, such as cardiovascular disease, which can cause physical as well as emotional signs and symptoms, along with the dysfunction, the stress, and the social problems. Now, a syndrome is a collection or a set of signs and Signs and symptoms that characterize or suggest a a disease Being a nuisance signifies that the right of quiet enjoyment is being disrupted Or interference with the right of specific people Now, if the premise behind being a nuisance is to cause offense, annoyance, trouble, or injury Which can be public or private Then what omission discharges obstruction in the human mind? Is something missing from that individual or is there something present? After I left the park, I went home and had a meltdown pacing about the apartment, talking to myself, cursing God and the world, begging God to take me out. (laughs) Let me wound up wherever I wound up, whether that be heaven or hell. I had gone three days sober and I was doing good until I left the park. While heading to the train, I crossed the street on 124th Street and 8th Avenue when a black female in her 20s crashed into me, hitting me with her bag. She didn't try to avoid hitting me, and she never acknowledged doing it and kept walking as if she was a zombie. It happened so fast I could not help but think she did it deliberately, judging by her fake reaction. I did not, she, I did not apologize, but then I snapped, turned around, and caught up to her the girl and I grabbed her by her backpack and flipped her around to face her what the fuck I'm sick of you women I blurted out uh, grunting profusely as I walked away saying nothing else fearing I would have knocked her out on the spot she hit me on purpose because I saw her jump on the side of the street as I was approaching I cannot figure out what what this was about why did God want to see me snap and go ape shit this is where I was at After all the work I have done on myself, this city literally wishes to kill me and watch me give up everything I worked hard for. I must survive one more year, but not working was making this time go much slower. I did not get much anticipated. I didn't get that much anticipated call from Anchor House, but I didn't care if I found employment at this point. I was tired of fighting for my survival. There was no relief, no break from dealing with the cares of this world. I try to do something in the, in the day that endows me to where I am not spending the day in idle ineptitude, but I cannot avoid being assaulted by Latino and black women. And I ask God, is he done yet? Is he done pulling out all my rage and anger? What else does he want from me? My soul? Well, he can have it because after I'm done with this book, I will be looking for a way out and I am not playing. There was no more purpose in life for me. My family do not want me. No man wants me. Not even citizens on the street let me commute in peace. Everything is against me, so my only option is to give the world what they want. I don't mean suicide, but it was getting to the point where the thought of death became this restless longing to meet the maker. For it is only only this perfect reunion that I will end the entrapping discomfort, this sense of diminution impeding my will to live. There will be no more tears tonight. Only conviction that I am over this life. And by this solemn, complicit oath, I hope to meet the orchestrator of this aridly, immobile existence, which drove me to take my own life. In the end, He, God, will decide if I go to heaven or hell. So I lose no matter what my decision will be. Whether I stay and suffer and, and incur more... If I stay and suffer, and incurring more judgment, or be judged and sent to hell for opting out of this matrix. The Greek philosopher Epicurus writes of death, the majority sometimes choose death for sometimes as a respite from the evils in life, end quote. Fortunately, I'm strong enough to trust in this too shall pass and know that I only have myself. And if the creator is included at all, it appears to be no benefit to me. So I will live my life on my terms and take with me what I have already learned so that I get through this life having good relations with people. That's why I'm not judged for that, too. This was all a dream, as Notorious B.I.G. raps. How can I trust this God whom I've discovered and fallen in love with, yet his intent cannot be trusted when I ask for peace and he sends Hagar, my ex, back to my house? How can I trust this God when he places women in my path to bother and humiliate me in public? How can I trust a God that will prefer I live a life of uh, loneliness and I attract one normal, adjusted and loving individual in my life? Intimacy will surely offer me a little comfort when I'm trying to leave my old life of promiscuity behind me. How do I know he, that's God, has his hand on my life? When my resources have been depleted to my last cent with no prospect of a job in sight though I applied for work months ago. Now I do not know if the rent will get paid and I cannot do nothing but cry and ask God why? Why is grace and mercy in the form of parents abandoning me in their heart when I prayed for better relationships with them over years ago? I even resorted to going back to a spiritual God to perform dubious sacrifices hoping it would only open a door to my father's heart. A man of God who claimed to read the Bible goes to church and has love in his heart for God but won't even pick up the phone to answer his own son. God is the ruler of the heart yet my heart is breaking for my father's acceptance and not only God want me to be lonely but he would have changed his heart when I cried out two years ago. I love God but I don't trust him. How does this God expect me to go out into the world and accept and tolerate the abuses from all the people he has control over and can calm their tempers around me? But it seems like he roused people's timbers around me. I would go as far as to perceive this to mean that God do not love me very much. This is a hard pill to swallow because why would he provoke me to loving him? then obscure his love to wreak havoc on my sensibilities and emotions and reason for loving him back. It does not seem like a fair deal for me when all my intent is to be more like God. There aren't too many black men who can honestly say they are striving for greatness, reaching for their highest potentials in life. Who wants to help the planet and save God's people by offering himself up as a disciple? Yet I feel ignored in the most inopportune, vulnerable moments of my life. Is this what being like God in Jesus is all about? (laughs) Laugh my butt off. I can't possibly be like Jesus for trying to master Cornelius. I'm not dying for the sins of this world, but my spirit is dying a low, slow death. And it's becoming depressing to realize that I will have to go back to the creator who never made himself trustworthy to me. That I'm supposed to trust. He will let me stay in heaven and not condemn me for living a homosexual life in contracting HIV this I cannot change but I am supposed to trust a God who will overlook that and let me into his pearly gates it is a hard pill to swallow I need a sign from God I need a real sign to put all my doubts to rest until the dead that day happens I will always be uneasy about putting all my control in the hands of this entity I will at least try to hold on to my will to react I slipped on that lady carrying those bags. But today I am stronger. I will transform my dislike of women. I will allow them to abuse me. And I will like Jesus. And I will like Jesus when they attack me. And I will be like Jesus when they attack me. For real love means letting death come by the spite, hate and spiritual attacks. If love comes. If love means. I'm sorry guys, this is one of these days today. Just bear with me, I'm gonna get through this. If real love means letting death come by the spiked hate and spiritual attacks, then I guess I don't have to worry about taking my own life. I will let someone do it for me without resisting. If God is trying to pacify me to the point where I can no longer incentivize to protect my life, then I will let the wretchedness of this earth do what it does and allow death to befall me and fall into the hands of God's vipers. (laughs) As I wrote this in my journal, I had an epiphany just now. Perhaps my death is what God desires since death is life. Maybe God wishes for nothing more for me to fulfill my human revolution so he can get me out of here and reunite reunite me back with his love again. My soul seems to have had a... taste of this union that escapes me so maybe I need to devote more time to writing this book so God can finally graduate me and take my presence off this planet but having left something back of this in the world to use for healing themselves maybe that is why MLK Martin Luther King was gone so soon maybe God graduated his spirit for fighting the good fight then his soul was uh, uh, was at last taking back up to meet his maker I must be steadfast in my desires for clarity and focus so that it may transform my actions to be more like God so that I can leave this earth as soon as possible. Time does not heal the wounds of this earth. It only obscures the cause. So no longer if I sit around resisting, I will only prolong my time on this earth. Darkness will always ensue. Yeah, I must fight for clarity and there is a formula to operate within my life that leads me closer to my destiny with God. My total and absolute annihilation is my destiny, where I die a physical death by the ego, reaching the critical point, I die a spiritual death. This is the process of killing the ego because it leads to happiness and fulfillment, but most importantly, killing the ego so that my soul may be abiding, distinct from the nature of what is evanescent. Though having faith and hoping to go to heaven is the basis of good behavior, my destiny will only arrive until every fiber of my being is liberated. But this cannot be done without God's assistance. I thought I was refusing myself by sustaining my HIV medications and slowly dying, resurfacing. And I I felt dying, resurfacing, and I felt pain in my heart from the thought of giving up on this old life. I still wanted to fight for my education, but I was tired of taking these toxic HIV medications and I decided whatever happens will happen. Nothing can be worse than the anxiety of homophobia and always made to feel like an outcast. Nothing compares to that lonely, gut-wrenching, arrested feeling when you get on the train and at least three people stare at me, becoming instantly uncomfortable as if they cannot stand the sight of me. This arrested feeling will never go away until I either move away from this city or move off this planet. It is in constant reminder how unfair the world has become. So why pretend it does not exist when it's overwhelming every aspect of my life? I cannot walk on the streets without being bumped into, cut off and intimidated by losers with not enough interest in their own life. So they have to make mine miserable But the ultimate, with the ultimate sacrifice is to be like God. Yet yeah, do it at the cost of my own happiness and everything God has worked hard for to keep me, my, keep for me to maintain in my life. I do not care anymore, and frankly, why should I have to when I have given myself HIV? Do not cry for me, Argentina. I will not not miss this perilous world, and frankly, I cannot wait when this disease starts attacking my organs. Then, I will be able to rest for once in my life and be at peace about it. An update from the train dispatcher, a large kinetic spark occurred due to debris. Please remain calm and train will be moving momentarily. The debris was nearly a con- was near a construction area under the tunnel. Now the power is off and no air is getting into the air into the car. The MTA dispatcher said to be patient and they would attempt to take the train back to Tremont and let passengers off. When they attempted to go backwards, a large flare up erupted under the car, causing smoke to enter the car. I thought the car was on fire. People in the car in front of us began moving to the back of the car. So immediately I thought I was going to die. I got up and followed the crowd, hoping the car. Hopping each car before stopping, not able to move any longer. So I sat down and decided whatever happens will happen. And there was no point trying to fight it. People were panicking and shouting for the dispatcher to open the door and let them out and fear the smoke would suffocate them. But the MTA workers said that they could open the doors because of security reasons. I was a bit nervous, but then I took the opportunity to reflect on the life and reason this was exactly what I wanted to die. Life was finally giving me another exit route. I remember God and I resolved in myself the faith that he would not have allowed this to happen if there was not some lesson to learn. So I quietly plugged my ears with earplugs and closed my eyes, taking a deep breath and saying the, my last prayers. Finally, after 20 minutes, the power was restored and we were let off at Tremont. I went back home to relax over, um, recover because I had been out the night before Ben's drinking and my head was a little cloudy I intended to go to the park and read a book or write in my journals but it seemed the devil was trying to kill me at this point (sighs) while home I reflected on the events that happened being trapped on the train nearly engulfed me in flames the stark panic that jolts your nervous system the instincts to cry out to the mystery of a heavenly being that will somehow Hear our cries and come to our rescue to grant us the pleasure of extending pain and suffering, which suddenly becomes indisputably sacred. Not because we enjoy a life of unreconciled agonies that yields no explanation, but somehow, somewhere hidden deep behind our pretenses and presu- presu- presumptions, we aren't sure. If we have truly discovered the meaning to our lives and the tragedy tragedy that seems eminently plausible to our lives invokes the question am i content with never knowing the answer to the feeling invoked by meaning panic becomes for me a desperate search of discovering that pleasure of ambrosia that ointment to quickly soothe my putrid soul as the contemplation of death races through my mind In that moment, the experience of ambrosia was desired. I saw the flashes of sparks shooting from underneath the train, and then the power went out, sending confusion and worry that the train was on fire. The heavy smoke that entered the car varied people's fears, and even I thought for a moment that the train was on fire, and I could not find one reassuring face on the train to convince me otherwise. So I had two options. Freak out with the rest of the passengers, or make my peace with my God by accepting death. If the train would indeed become my tune, I chose the latter. So I sat quietly and simply took deep breaths, thinking about pleasant and how pleasant the afterlife will be. I was nervous at the thought of fire burning my skin, but I knew once death happened, I would no longer feel the blaze of fire, but the, eventually the rays of light would usher me back into the cosmos. And this was my thought for the entire 20 stressful minutes. Maybe this was a test to see how I would handle the threat of dying. I think I handled myself well, but it impressed on me that I needed to work extra hard in my life to make sure I was truly content with the meaning of life, and if not, I needed to make peace in case I am not so lucky next time. All my talks of dying and not taking my medications to go back to the Creator means nothing if I am panicking and running from the threat of death. This was a wake-up call that I, that signaled my intentions are not as genuine as I had made them out to be, and that I did not want to, re, and I did want to remain on this earth hmm, to see if life would give me a new meaning. This freak accident revealed that I did not know the meaning to life because I was not 100% ready to die in that moment. My prayer was to preserve my life and live through my experience, not for God to take me in that moment. Maybe there would be more meaning in life, and I wanted to experience it before I am officially whisked back to my Creator. Gary Zukoff writes of fear in The Seat of the Soul Your fear comes from the realization that a part of you is creating a reality that it wants, whether you want it or not, and the feeling that you are powerless to prevent it. End quote. Hey. This sums up how I have been feeling this entire time. And the most agonizing about it is this life is seeming more suggestive than deciding by free will or self-will. Zukov continues, its strength only indicates the amount of effort that needs to be applied toward the transition, toward making yourself whole in that area of life. End quote. I had to work extra hard regarding my interpersonal skills in the beginning. But now I was less anxious and more confident in myself, with signals of being less fearful in this area. Aggression attaches to fear, but it does not have to rule my interpersonal relationships and my day does not have to be determined by it. I know the cost is great if I decide to keep holding on to my addictions. Weed was helping, but I thought the intent was to stop smoking. That is why it was important that I figured out my dilemmas and figured out what is right. For me, maybe the contradiction is that God wants to take me higher when I want to go forward. Having faith is moving higher. Somewhere there is a contradiction within me that does not fully align and balance along this trajectory. Freud insists there is a conflict between the demands of conformity and the demands of our instinctive energies end quote. Continuing to escape with weed is linear thinking, but the courage to break the chain of addiction is higher elevation. All I want in a, all is a life of comfort and ease. That is all I have ever wanted. Yet the paradigm of my existence has been one obstacle course after the next, working me out as I jump through the hurdles of life. The fact of the matter is if temptation did not exist on earth. There would be no intentions to strive toward balancing certain faculties. I'm willing to accept that this is another unfortunate contrived paradox to attempt to live in. That seems to have its implications in inner transformation. How and when that experience arrives is first partly influenced by family dynamic, holding that status hostage till we decide if we want to continue down that same trajectory or deviate by causing a paradigm shift toward our wildest imaginations. However, every soul has its its path. So if the soul wants to create a new paradigm by breaking the generational cycles, then there is nothing to do but to be honest with ourselves about what our purpose is in life and surrender to something greater than us. How God will hold my hand along the way. But trusting seems to be the key to not letting go and simply doing my own thing, ultimately spiraling down, spiraling downward, when God is trying to ascend me. As sad as it is for me to admit, I may represent my life, but my life belongs to God, and whatever he wants, you best believe he will get. So through the embarrassment, the shame, the guilt, the fear, and annoyance of life, I am conditioned to fear God and not fear death. And that's the finale of that chapter. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.